Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Tired of companies like Google and Facebook watching everything you do online? There's actually a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more, all for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Bradfoe Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. Well, joining us for the second annual Manager Lou Merloni podcast. It's none other than Lou Merloni. Lou, how are you? I'm doing good. We got part two here. I like it after a week. Now, before we start, we have to clarify some things, all right? Yeah. Let's let's clarify. When I was doing the podcast with you, the first Manager Lou podcast, I was under the impression that you were enjoying yourself. You liked the construct. You finished it by saying that was fun. Let's do it again. So, And then you get out and you immediately say, I, how dare I paint you into a corner? Yeah. And and next and people at Comcast are telling everybody that you're calling me Walrus Face, and <laughs> and, and you're going on the baseball show First and saying I painted you in a corner. I thought that it was a fun experience and a productive experience, and one that you thought exactly the same way. Yeah, I did, but I also know that the reason behind it, which you later on said, it's about checks and balances. Yes, so yes, it is. That- it was, yeah, exactly, and that was what it was all about, is trying for you to get my opinions out there. So, God forbid, if I criticized your boy John Farrell over anything, you go back to the tape and say, yeah, but you said on opening No, day. no, no, it could have been. Yeah. It could have, well, Lou, in fairness, there is no checks and balances when it comes to this stuff, and that's the problem. I didn't mind doing it because I don't have a problem with it. My opinions right, so, so how so is, how is that's that? That's why I didn't. That's why I didn't mind doing it, but I knew what was behind it. No, it was that was. When I walked into Comcast that night, um, after talking about it on the radio when you called in, or we asked you to call in, right away, two or three people, including Giardi, threw out scenarios saying, What would you do in the seventh inning? So we all started laughing. I'm like, That son of a bitch. So they were the ones that heard it and brought it to my attention. I didn't walk in here with it in my dome and just bring up random. Oh, it was in your head. It was in your head. It was, it was, a, but, 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 and, and you can, you can, you can say that that was my impetus. That was my intention. 
my intention was, as I said at the time, and it, nothing changed, which was I want to go through baseball scenarios with you. So both, by the way, both you and I could be on the record because this is a fun thing to do. And it's, it is checks and balances for us all, which is, hey, you know, heading into the season, this is what I would do in this situation. And mm-hmm. then see if I was right or if John Farrell does something differently, then that was right. I mean, this, I mean, this whole – and then, you know, Stevie Janowski-Ordway latches onto it and also he can go into, Glenn, uh, go into John Farrell's office. And mm-hmm. and and say, yeah, John, I got him. Come on, Lou, you know me better than number one. And you also were right in the middle of this where it was a productive exercise. There was no ulterior motive. It was all right. It was a good discussion. It yes. Was a good discussion. And that's like why said, I was surprised. And, and when um, no, I wasn't upset about the whole conversation, but I just. But it seems you, like you refused, you refused to admit that it was about kind of having you on the record for the purposes of going back to it, if I sat there and said, I can't believe you didn't pinch hit Pablo Sandoval, and you said, well, on your podcast, you said well, you better have made a good Well, Lou, like, what's wrong with that for you or I or anybody? Especially- no- I'll tell you what, there's nothing wrong with it, because that's why I didn't mind doing it, because you're not going to catch me. I'm not I catching you. I mean, that's I like, why, why, do you, why, do you think, why do you think, why do you think, you thought that I was trying to catch I know that you thought I was trying to catch you, but You know why? On. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why, because you think... And I know John thinks as well is that at times I've been unfair to John, and and the stuff that I I complain about isn't fair. So you wanted to have some of those things on record, which is fine with me. Again, I don't mind. That's why I'm doing it again here, and just to prove it, the conversation we had last week about some of these guys. You know, we talked about who'd you go in the eighth inning, Joe Kelly. You know, he didn't go with Joe Kelly, and you know I, I want to sit there for the first week. And I want to watch how John Farrell uses these guys. And then what I want to see is consistency, especially if a guy is performing well. And to be honest with you, a lot of those guys are performing well. So he's got his roles. He wants to see Hembree get out lefties, which I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have him do, but he showed in that last, the last, second to last spring training game that he could. A very good lineup at Murphy and Harper. He got those guys out. He's seen Robbie Scott get righties out, so he wants to give him an opportunity to do that as well. We talked about how much I hate having this left-handed specialist, and that's what I consider Robbie Scott to be, being used at the bottom third of the order when there's pinch hit opportunities. You know, then Mikey Matuk comes up to the plate, and you know I'm not confident with him against righties, but John is. So let's let this thing play out, and we'll see how everything goes. But so far, there is no complaint. But, but Barnes has earned that. But role. this, I'm going to come back to it. This has nothing to do. When we go into the season, the first week of games. It is, and you can listen. You can say that I did this so I can go to John Farrell and have this checks and balances with John Farrell. I'm not talking about checks and balances with John Farrell, Lou. I'm talking about checks and balances with you, with me, about situations like we talked about heading into a baseball season because there are great discussions. And when we went in and did that podcast, it was a good discussion. And then all of a sudden we come out of there and you said nothing to me when we were doing that. If you finished it and you said at the end of it, well, why did you say, hey, you know what? You were backing me in the corner. Oh, wow. You, you really were trying to protect John Farrell. No, you just said that was a good baseball discussion, which is exactly what it was. It It it, was. So, so and I didn't have a problem. I didn't have a problem with the discussion. Right. I don't know what you're talking about. Because you jump out, and all of a sudden you're saying, oh, he's trying to paint me in the corner. Well, I wasn't trying to paint me in the corner. Are you kidding me? Like, it was a discussion. Like, how did the painting in the corner ever come up other than Stevie Janowski saying it? Uh, that's <laughs> it. 
Because uh, I told him that. We'll try this again. We'll try this again. Of uh, the same exercise. My biggest issue, Lou, was when we were sitting here taping this interview, you agreed to do it, which I appreciate it. I've said Please. all I said all the time that I said all the time. I said I said all the time that that it was a good baseball conversation. You sat in the studio. You said it was a good baseball conversation. And then, boom, you're going to call Comcast and call me Walrus Fate. I didn't have a problem with the conversation. It was a good baseball talk. I could talk baseball all day long. So let's, do it. Let, let's do it. I want that. specific scenarios. And I don't care. I mean, but I know it was, you already admitted it was about checks and balances when you came. It was about checks. It was about it was about checks and balances. It was about it was about if and, uh, like once again you said that I did not give my opinion. I gave my you opinion. You want to move on and talk baseball? It was magical how you walked out, yes. went on the radio, misrepresented it, and it took off. So let's talk about let's do another one because it was right. fun. I think that we had fun doing it. Right? Correct? Yes, we did. Okay. So now that we're a uh, week into the season. And and you've broken down already. He's broken down some of the John Farrell moves or whatever. I, I'm not even talking about John Farrell's moves. I want to talk about, and this was the sort of the impetus for it before, because you have this team, you have these players, you have what they can do and what they can't do. And so before we get into what happened over the last week, when you go forward with this team, and it's not easy because I don't know if you knew this, but everybody's sick. Well, but but so w- in terms of this team. What do you do going forward, heading into the series in Baltimore, heading into the series after that? What do you do to tweak this whole situation? Do you put, for instance, for instance, do you like Matt Barnes as the no holds barred? And I like know that you like the seventh inning or the high leverage situation, the seventh or the eighth. Do you like that guy, the guy that we both thought Joe Kelly was going to be? Do you like that, for instance, going forward? Yes, I think he's showing you, and he's got he's got he's been given the opportunity here in the first week. And I think the first game, bases, you know, came in with guys on and didn't throw the ball well. But he showed now the last couple of outings that he's throwing the ball well. And this is just an experimental week here. You're trying to figure out who can do it, who can't do it. He's done it well. So I think that right now he's your highest leverage righty out of the bullpen. Now, he threw two the other day, so we couldn't throw today. But I just think he's the highest guy you got right now. Do you like, the, do you like in terms of why you try to figure this out? Whether it's Matt Barnes or Heath Hembry or Robbie Scott, of still matching up like they, like he, that John Farrell did heading into the season. In, ter- yeah. in terms of, in terms of, okay, you have Barnes come in like he did. You know, he br- so he brings in Barnes in that first game, and, and it was a high leverage situation. It wasn't Barnes's best game, but then you're matching up with Robbie Scott and Heath Hembry after that, getting to Kimbrel. Because you do not know exactly what you have, is there still going to be some semblance of matching up? In those late in the eighth inning, for instance, absolutely. I mean, or the seventh inning, whichever it might be. I do think that at some point, for God's sakes, you got to get a Fernando a bat into a game, right? I mean, I don't know what you know. You're six games in, the dude's been healthy. Apparently, I don't think he's got the flu, and he hasn't seen a game yet. I think that he can be an effective lefty as well. I just I would be careful um, with Robbie Scott using him against righties. And I know he did got the job done in Pittsburgh in a similar scenario. He just didn't get a job done in Detroit, but that would scare me. And now he saw him, Hembry in spring training, get some lefties out um, the last couple of outings. And John kind of is, I think the one thing with him is he's, he's reactionary more yes. than I'm used to for a manager. He's, like very, he's a lot more. Reactionary. I agree with that. Yes. You know, you talk about a guy in, in, in you know, you talk about momentum coming out of camp, and if you look at the outings for Heath Hembry in camp, 
going into those final two outings against Washington, he had a seven and a half ERA. He wasn't throwing the ball well at all in camp. He was giving it up, but he threw well against Washington. He struck out Murphy and Hopper in back-to-backs, and that was enough to be considered momentum. You know, I mean, in, in what cold weather? I mean, I, you know, I don't even know if that's you know, final day. People want to get the hell out of there, and then you get Kelly who struggled maybe in his last couple of outings. I think he's very reactionary, and again, that's just something I'm not used to, but he's going to stick with it, and I hope that he does, because these guys so far have been getting the job done, but I would be careful with Scott. Uh, again, we've talked about this before. Situational lefty, bottom third of the order, late in games, because he is not going to face a left-handed hitter. There's going to be a pinch hit opportunity, and he's going to be lefty versus righty, and that makes me nervous. So, let's go back to, let's do go back to the, the game where Joe Kelly came in for uh, and and didn't get the job done instead of bringing Kimbrell in for four outs. So my thing is, I'll tell you my take on this, which is I, I would love to know where Kimbrell stands on this. Because if you go back, Kimbrell hasn't pitched in April at more than one inning since 2011. He didn't pitch more than an inning until the end of May last year. And, mm-hmm. and with this bullpen, my take on this is that with, with this bullpen – Sorry, but things change. And whether that's Farrell or whether it's Kimbrell, but you already have plenty of examples throughout baseball of closers this early, including Zach Britton, who pitched two innings on opening day, where you're going to have to pitch more than three outs. And with this bullpen, you've got to do it. You're going to have to do it a lot earlier than you're comfortable doing it. Yeah, and, and maybe, you know, it's John, you know, now's not the time. Whatever. Game three, I get it. Um, I like to think, I don't know when that time is, Two, three weeks down the road, I hope that when you get in that same situation, that he does use him in that situation. You know, but I get it. It's it's early. It's week. It's game three, and I know people don't want to hear it. I do believe that April baseball is a little bit different than September, a little bit different than October. Because, as for example, like today, Chris Sale, it's his second start as as a, as a member of the Red Sox. He's in the situation. The game is tied. The game is on the line. And John Farrell leaving Chris Sale in is more of a relationship situation. I'm going to give you the opportunity to get out of this rather than pulling them and saying, going, you've got to be kidding me. Every single big spot, you know, late in games, you're not going to have trust in me to kind of stay with it. So he did. He stayed with well, it. Well, that and Castellanos was three for 28 against Sale. I yeah, mean, I mean, he, the, dominated, I, he dominated them all game long. But I'm just saying, I think it still had, as much as the matchup played into it, it still was a relationship building thing. So I still think he's in that mode right now, early in the season, you know, uh, Hembry doesn't get the job done. He ends up walking a couple guys. And I didn't mind the at bat against Victor. I thought that was fine. He just missed. The Upton thing was a little bit careful. And now he put himself in a situation where you got Robbie Scott coming in, knowing you're going to face a righty. Now he's expressed that he has confidence in him in that situation. Maybe he adjusts that down the road, and then he goes to Joe Kelly, and it's the bottom third of the order. I, I mean, I, I don't know what would have happened if that was, you know, Miguel Cabrera followed by Victor Martinez if he would have gone to Kimbrel. But, you know, I think at some point you, you better start thinking about using them for four outs because that's the ball game. But it'll help to have confidence in a guy like, you know, Kelly or somebody else saying, if I bring in Kimbrell here for, you know, to finish off the eighth, if he runs into some issues here early on in the ninth, do I have someone sitting behind him to relieve him? So I want to see him, I want to see him use Kimbrell for four outs. And you're right. How does Kimbrell feel about this? And hopefully, what is that point? Because he said not in game three. All right, what about game 12? How about game 20? Well, there's, there's, four, we do there's four closers right now in baseball who have gotten saves, not just pitched, but gotten saves without with getting more than three outs. 
So it's being done. It has been done. And I, I agree. I mean, I think that you have to look at things a little bit differently with this bulk, Ben. There's no Koji or Ahara behind him. And, you know, in terms of that game, too, the other problem I had with it was that you said you wanted to stay away from Joe Kelly. So stay away from Joe Kelly. And and this early in the season, we talk about early in the season, when you want to stay away from somebody, then do it. It's not worth it. It's just well, not, not worth gonna, it. The problem is you're not going to bring in – now you're not going to bring in Kimbrell in Kelly's role in that inning because the game's tied, you know? So it's just like – I just – you know, at well, that to get, point, to, to like, get the last out. You bring in Kimbrell to get the last out. Yeah, instead of Robbie Scott. Yeah, well – any you can bring them in any time to not give them the lead to get the last out, and like I don't have a pro- so you you have no problem with them uh, once he puts Kelly in no problem putting Kelly in. In once once they tie the game up, yeah, yeah. No, I understand. Yeah, I mean he threw two scoreless innings the night before. Now did I know beforehand that he was puking? You know because he came down with the flu the next night, probably affecting. You know was he feeling it that night as well? Did I know that ahead of time that he wasn't one hundred percent? But to the point of Kimbrell, I, I like to know what that conversation is because, as you know, this bullpen right now with a guy like Tyler Thornburg out and who knows when he comes back, now might be the time to maybe extend Kimbrell a little bit because your bullpen is in flux. It's a little bit strange. And you know, say, I'll, I'll get you back here once we get Thornburg back. Maybe I'll let him close the game or two if he's feeling pretty good or whatever, give you that, give you some more time later on when, when our bullpen's a little bit healthier. But right now I might need to lean on you. But, yes, you didn't want to do a game three. Yeah. I just want to know I just want to know what game will you do it. Yeah, I, I just I just look at baseball all around baseball and that, that this isn't this isn't an aberration and like you said, I want to know what that conversation is. I want to know what Kimball I mean Kimball dances around it, but and Farrell's probably not gonna say, well the closer won't do it, but you know, who knows? But I agree. That is something that you're gonna have to revisit and because we can't even right now we can't say Matt Barnes is the no doubt guy bridge no one after a week we still don't know we still don't you know, know what you have but the guys are starting to tell you and that's what i always feel they'll tell you um you know who's who's up for those types of roles by the way they go out there they perform and they handle the moments and right now barnes has done a good job with it Embry's done a good job with it again i don't want to keep bringing robbie scott in to face righties if i think he's a left-handed specialist you know as a right-handed hitter but they but here's the thing they don't think he's a left-handed specialist well, yes. I mean, I'm just saying, as a right-handed hitter, in my mind, as a right-handed hitter, you can ask any right-handed hitter in the game. Go ask Chris Young next time you see him. Hey, how do you feel about sidearm lefties? And you know what he's well, Chris say? Young oh, likes my. every lefty. But, you know, sidearm lefties in particular. Oh, my God, I love them. I see the ball so long. Like, you right-handed hitters, they drool over sidearm lefties. I mean, now, we're talking not Chris Sale, right? Who's right. It's, it's like Brad Ziegler whatever. against lefties. Well, just like that little lefty that kind of, you know, is, is your traditional left-handed, you know, guy, that guy like Javi Lopez, you know, it's going to go 90 to 91, 92 on you with that slider. As a right-handed hitter, good night. Bring him all day long. I'll take that all day long. And I don't care if they think he's not a lefty specialist or not. He is. He, you know, he's good. I like Robbie Scott. I, I would have put his ass on the playoff roster last year with the way he was throwing the ball down the stretch. I like him a lot. I just don't want to see him – in too many spots where he's forced to face right-handed pinch hitters off the bench. No, I agree with that. I agree. Like I said, it's the same thing for me with well, Brad. He's done it twice. Right. But if, if, but, but if, if, you're ta- if, you're tell- if you're telling me that he's going to have to face the occasional righty, which, you know, it, he's, he's, 
He's done okay against. I've seen him pitch pitch against righties before. And I, but I agree with you, Lou, about that dynamic. Like I said, it's the same dynamic with Brad Ziegler against lefties. I would be a hypocrite if I didn't say that. If I said that it's easier to pick up the opposite fo- side when you're facing a submariner or a lefty. Yeah, but Robbie side. Scott's never been as closer before. I understand that, but there was closer. a reason why Brad Ziegler was bad against lefties. There, so. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I mean, listen, I mean, as I, as I, I'll pull up, I'll be happy to pull up many tweets, which I responded to this about his numbers against bringing Brad Ziegler in against the lefties. It's just, listen, there's nothing. Brad Ziegler's gone. It's we're agreeing on the same thing, which is it is easier to pick up, especially for a guy who throws from the side to pick him up from the opposite side. We can agree on that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. So, in terms of the lineup, and, and we get it, everybody's sick, so forth and so on. There was a couple instances where he did not pinch hit for Pablo Sandoval. A couple times, or at least one time, it was because he admitted, I think it was one of the two games at Fenway, where he said, you know, listen, we didn't have, Brock Holt wasn't available. So I wouldn't have anyone to put it third, so you couldn't pinch hit Selsky. But I still look at Pablo Sandoval, and I'm saying by the end of April, this is absolutely a guy that you're going to have to pinch hit for against lefties. I don't know how you feel. I got to give him a lot. I got to give him more time than that, and we'll see. Um, we'll see how it goes here. Obviously, I think he's still what he started off. What now? He's like over seven, I think maybe. But it's also lefties. the way he looks. It's just the way yeah. the way he swings. I understand that, but I just you know I'm not going to. Um, I'm still going to give him every opportunity to hit these guys, and I know he looks awful. And, and end of April, you tell me. I don't know. Is that six more at bats against lefties, or is that twenty more at bats? Against well, lefties? you got you know, to. So, so when, when he when he went three for forty three or whatever it was two years ago, I mean that got into early May or uh, I think the middle of May. So I just don't want you to get to a point where it's three for forty three, and that in that situation you knew that this was automatic out. And you're I'll right. be it, trying to avoid that as much as possible because that is a disaster. Do you pinch okay. hit Selsky for him? That well, that is a disaster waiting to happen. Okay, pinch hit Selsky. Who goes to third? No, no. Well, it's, this is assuming they have everyone and holds there uh, holds uh, available to go to third. All right. So I'm just saying. So the pinch hit the pinch hit for Pablo Sandoval. I just burned three guys. Right. So, so I'm sp- but Selsky, it's but it's late in but it's late in the game. Well. It's okay. Once again, we'll go through this. It's late in the game. I'm sorry for not clarifying this. It's late in the game. You have a runner in scoring position, okay, with one out. It's it's an eighth inning, tie game, runner in scoring position, one out, lefty on the mound, Pablo Sandoval coming up, Sandy Leone hitting right behind him. Do you pinch yeah, hit all, Selsky for him? All I'm saying, no, not right now. And I'm just saying because it's just I, it's a better team. If I can give this guy an opportunity, there's going to be a lot more benefit if I am patient with him and he shows he's competent against lefties. That is a huge a bigger benefit to me than starting to pinch hit for this guy in April and setting a precedent as the year goes on. That's all I'm saying. No, it's so fair. Gonna... It's, it's along the lines of the sales stuff. Is that in, in, and I remember a couple of years ago, Lou, yes. with, with when, um, when Hanley was playing outfield and it was April, and are you going to put a defense replacement for Hanley? And his answer same was, thing. yeah, same thing. If I do that now, I'm going to lose him. Same so, thing. Yeah. It's the exact same thought. And that's why I think you have to manage that team. In April, you have to tell Pablo, listen, I know you're 0 for 7. I mean, hell, what was, you know, I know it's different, but what is 0 for 7? You know, Moreland was, what, 0 for 9? And now he's like 14 for his last 6? Yeah. So, I mean, he's but on fire. It's just so, I mean, to me how he looks, seven, I know, he looks bad. There's no doubt about it. But I just, the benefit outweighs it. And I just don't want to, I, I wouldn't want him to do that yet. 
Not where, yet. Where do you we'll hit? See. Where do you hit Benintendi? Eighth. Okay. If everybody's p- healthy, maybe maybe eighth, maybe ninth. Actually, right now, you know, we're we are. Uh, I'd say we're about this home stand away from, or maybe even three or four games away from people realizing that he's hitting under two hundred. Well, I was just going to yeah. say that. I think that people still are are jaded and and blinded by the fact that he hit a home run on opening day. They have no yeah. idea he's hitting under two hundred. No, and you know, I go back. You know, Mookie Betts' rookie year, he was two for four opening day down in Philadelphia. He hit a bomb as well, and it was like he's going to take off. And end of the month, I think he was hitting two twenty. So, you know, and then in June he found himself in the seven hole, which for about ten days or so, and then he got comfortable and he brought him back up to the leadoff spot. So, I mean, you know, Ben he's going to be a great player, but again, and I, I hope it doesn't happen. Listen, I, I hope I hope I'm wrong. I hope he has a good series against Baltimore and um, swings the bat well over the weekend, but. I'm just guessing here that by, say, I don't know, Thursday, Friday, I'm going to be getting calls about moving Ben Attendee down in the order because the reality is he's hitting a buck seventy-five. Well, and you, you had mentioned Mookie, which is a good one, because when Mookie was going through it, I, I referenced and other people referenced probably the best one, which is Dustin Pedroia, right? Mm-hmm. 2007. He, there's nothing wrong with figuring things out because he won the Rookie of the Year, but we all know what happened that April. Right, he, he was under 200 by the time May rolled around, yeah. and and that could be who knows that could be Benintendi. Yeah, and I think you know we look at Bogarts. If you remember his first year, he actually swung the bat real well the first couple months before they moved him to third base, and then things got a little bit hectic there for the kid. But he was hitting sixth or seventh, you know, a lot. You know, he came out of the gate hitting six seven the month of April. You know, and they just sort of took some heat off. And I tell you, as a hitter. You know, I never forget, like, um, it was actually was Adam Kennedy out in Anaheim, and he always hit ninth, and he's always like a 300 hitter. And the guys would be like, yeah, he's down there hitting ninth. You know, he gets one hit a night, and he's hitting 333. You know what I mean? Because he's getting three at-bats, you know, or maybe a pull-out a walk or a sack bunt or whatever, and it's nice. Mentally, it's nice knowing you're going to get three ABs, and you're going to get one knock, you're hitting 333. When you're top of that lineup hitting second or third, you're getting five a night. One hit doesn't cut it. One for five, guess what? You're hitting 200. You know, so it's just it, that's a lot of pressure, and you know, obviously the kid's going to be able to handle it at some point. But I'm telling you, you know, you, you, people, you know, they're looking at it, and he's had some big hits. There's no question about it. And the kid's going to hit. It's just that we'll see how this thing continues. And I think very quietly, he's you know, he's hitting what you're hitting on 200 right now. Yeah, he is. So, so, yeah. so let me ask you this. So obviously, part of that equation about dropping him down the order is is breaking up the lefties and righties. Because if you just move Bogarts up, then you have a bunch of righties up top and you have a bunch mm-hmm. of lefties down low. Mm-hmm. And and especially if Pablo's not hitting lefties and you bring in the lefty, to, all of a sudden you're facing... Um, yeah, but you know what? Here's the thing. Yeah. And I was just thinking about this today. Maybe Pablo's your two-hole hitter. And, and you could say what you want, you know, about him because they're both hitting about the same, for God's sakes. And it's only a weekend, and I get it, and no one's sitting there saying, you know... Um, you, know, you want to give this guy a benefit of the doubt, but Benintendi, I, I understand. It's a weekend. Nobody should be panicking right now. But to protect Pablo Sandoval from getting that lefty out of the pen, isn't it a pretty good idea of putting him in between, you know, Dustin Pedroia and Mookie Betts and Hanley Ramirez? You want to bring in a lefty? Maybe you bring him in for one hitter, you know, for Pablo Sandoval, and then you go to the righty. But you've actually protected him by putting him in the midst of some really good right-handed hitters. Sure, and and the other option I think if he if he comes back is Jackie Bradley. Absolutely, another one. Yeah, and and you know the way he was swinging the bat before he ripped up his knee, yeah, I, I would actually wouldn't have a problem with that. It was a good Jackie Bradley. It was yeah, 
So uh, is there anything else in the lineup that, that you might tweak? Because I, I, well, I, I can't really – I mean, listen, they don't they, – they, they're just getting guys back and – it's tough to cry. You can't even talk about this lineup right now or pinch hit opportunities because nobody's really available. You know, it's just you look at this team and, you know, between Jackie and, and Xander and Hanley and Mookie, I know he's back, but do you think he's 100%? you think he's totally clear of this flu that took him, you know, bedridden for three days? He's not right either. So there's four bats that are out of this lineup. It's impossible to judge this offense or, or to judge moves or lineup questions or why is this guy here? Why is this guy there? It's just it's too hard right now, given you know with the injuries and everything, the bereavement list and the flu. Name it. Well, the uh, and in my the unpopular opinion off of off of what has happened because they've had five uh, six games now, five of them they've scored in one inning, and yep. which is bizarre. It's 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 almost impossible to do, and especially impossible to do when you're three and three. But I look at this, and, and listen, we get it. We're, we we have to find opinions, and we have to find analysis, and it's hard to do when you have bereavements and sickness and everything else. But I do think there is a small percentage of what we should take away from this is the remembering the Ortiz factor. And the reason why I say this is because it was the same conversation we had in January, which if you take out a couple of key guys, then you don't have Ortiz there to protect you. Ortiz was always the fail safe, fail safe. Ortiz was always the crutch. And I'm not. I don't know if today would have been any different. Today being uh, Monday's game, when they lose two to one, I don't know if it would be any different. But it's the reminder that you lost the guy with the best OPS in all of baseball. That and you remember, Lou, he was the human crutch for more times than people I, I think are remembering right now. I agree, but you know what? I um, I think when everybody gets going. I don't think we're going to miss him as much. And that's nothing to do with how great David was because he was a great hitter. But you talk about that. that but you crutch. have to have everyone going, more, obviously, more than you oh, did. you got to have everybody in the damn lineup. I mean, that crutch right now is Mookie Betts and Hanley Ramirez. I mean, that's the reality. And right. one of these guys have been in the lineup here this first week of the season. Well, and, really. also, and also, how are they going to make up for it? The narrative for how they're going to make up for it, a big part of it was Benintendi's going to hit, Pablo Sandoval's going to be better, Right. Yeah, and you know, hopefully Mitch Moreland chips in, and maybe Jackie Bradley gets more consistent. And the Sandy Leon, I, I tell you, I do believe that when they get going, he's David Ortiz. The numbers are monster numbers. He won best hitter in all of baseball last year. But this lineup is still um, going to score a ton of runs in my mind. And I think the one takeaway I have, you know, for six games into it, is the way in three of those games how they put innings together late to win. You know, whether it was San Leone's three-run bomb in extras, whether it was Friday night, you know, Pablo Sandoval's three-run bomb to put him ahead. They could have, they could have maybe should have, stole that game. And then you come back even on Sunday's game with another big inning, you know, late in the game as well. So it's like they only scored in a few, but it's been, you know, big innings late in games to win games. So I just – it's impossible for me to sit there and say they missed David Ortiz because – the two guys you're going to rely on heavily are Hanley Ramirez and Mookie Betts, and the two of them just haven't been around. They just uh, just have been non-existent, and it's going to take a little bit of Mookie a little bit of time, and it's going to take Hanley a little bit of time when he gets back in from missing so much time as far as with the flu and timing and everything else. All right, last question. Uh, do you feel better or worse or the same, just the vibe you have about the success of this team than you did the first time that we met? I'd say it's about the same, you know, um, only because you know, it should be better if it, if it wasn't if everybody was in this lineup. I don't think you'd see a three and three team, you know. But given what they've gone through, um, I don't know how you can you know not be excited about Chris Sale. I think Porcello has done what you kind of expect him to do. Just that 
you know, there's a little evening out um, with him, you know, like ground balls at people last year. Well, they're getting through, you know, and, uh, and I think that's been just a big difference with Porcello here so far in the two games. Right, Erod, you know, but I think pleasantly out in the bullpen, you've seen some guys step up. I mean, Matt Barnes, you know, we didn't know he's going to be. I think Embry has some confidence out there. He's throwing the ball well. So uh, it's, it's just it's about the same because I, I don't know how you can feel better or worse given kind of the fact you haven't really seen this team out there. Yes, in a week, they the wor- this, worse than SARS, team. the worse than SARS. Yeah, I mean, this isn't even the team. I, mean, I don't know how you even judge it after one week. I don't know. It's fun to do anyway. All right, Lou. All right, Rob. Hey, Rob, that was fun. <laughs> Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Tired of companies like Google and Facebook watching everything you do online? There's actually a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more, all for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. How did one man go from the scion of a Bay Area sausage company to triple murderer? Bud Stewart was always just a little off the rails. I'm Natalia Gravich, and I explored this question and many others on The Sausage King, a new podcast from KCBS Radio and Odyssey. He would park the truck with the pig and the straw in front of my campaign headquarters. Didn't like to follow any rules. Subscribe and listen now on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.